Alright, hello everybody, today is Monday, another Zodiac Monday, welcome to the show. Today we are continuing with the book discussion on Zodiac Killer Just the Facts, which is a compilation of the police reports that has been assembled by Tom Voigt. But before we begin, I would like to drop a couple of announcements. And the first one is a thank you to Michael Cole, who checked out the channel. He is the author of the Zodiac Revisited Trilogy, and he sent me a copy of one of his books, and I will be responding to that on the Wednesday show, as well as doing the AMA, the Ask Me Anything, in somewhat of a different way, mostly zoning in on the questions and comments that have been left about Michael Cole's Zodiac Revisited Trilogy. I have two episodes about his book here on this channel, so I would invite anybody to listen to those, as well as to tune in Wednesday to, for that very special AMA dedicated to the Zodiac Revisited. And the next thing to say is, this show is now available for free downloads at Launchpad 1. Black Box Online Radio relies on your support, and a great way to support the show is just by listening to some more content. And you can find the link to Launchpad in the description box here, formerly known as Launchpad DM. You can download the audio of this show as a pure podcast, take it on the go anywhere and anyhow. If you would like to download the video version using YouTube, YouTube Premium is also available. And of course, another great way to support the show is just by visiting the Teespring page, Black Box Online Radio, original t-shirts. Remember, being weird is not a crime. And you can always like and subscribe, share with your friends or family, anybody who would be interested in the true crime world. Okay, so let's talk about the Lake Berryessa stabbing. On September 27th, 1969, Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Ann Shepard were attacked by the Zodiac Killer at Lake Berryessa in Napa County, California. And this is a very extensive section in the book. But my first initial response is that I didn't come away with too many earth-shattering discoveries looking at the police reports. However, I would say something optimistically, and that is that I did have some clarity on certain angles, as well as some other far-out conspiracy theories that could be connected to the Zodiac Killer mystery, so please stay tuned until the end. But Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard are on a picnic blanket, more or less, at Lake Berryessa. In the transcripts here, it says that Brian is on his back, and Cecilia has her shoulder or has her head on his shoulder, and they're together on the blanket. And a lot of the descriptions here in these police reports are rather contrary to the David Fincher film, if you've seen that, the 2007 one with Jake Gyllenhaal. That more or less showed Brian's not really paying attention, and then Cecilia says, hey, look, there's a man. He's like, whatever, it's a public park. It actually seems to be quite contrary to that. The first thing that I noted was that uh, Brian is actually very suspicious of the noises that he hears in the distance, and he asks Cecilia to look up because, firstly, she is apparently wearing her glasses. That is something that isn't reported too frequently um, in a lot of the media depictions. And when you look at photos of Cecilia Shepard, she is uh, rarely wearing glasses, and she um, has the opportunity to have a good look at the person. And as we said, Brian's on his back, and Cecilia is resting on his shoulder. So she looks up, and she sees a man come out from behind a tree. And in one of the interviews that Brian Hartnell has done here in these transcripts, he made the suggestion that um, he thought that the guy had must have been taking a leak behind the tree or something, relieving himself, urinating, and so on. And that'll be connected to a theory that I'll discuss later on. However, uh, that is not the case, actually. It is the Zodiac Killer who is coming out, and he was preparing to attack Brian and Cecilia. He slipped on a black hood and that had clip-on sunglasses, and it really is quite odd from reading these transcripts. It seems like in one account, there is a statement from Cecilia Shepard that the man was Caucasian, he had dark brown hair, or what appeared to be dark brown hair, he was far away enough far enough away to the point where Cecilia could not make out any particular facial features of the guy, but did recognize that he was a Caucasian with dark hair. And 
he was wearing glasses, I believe, but Brian Hartnell would uh, dispute that in a different interview, not intentionally contradicting Cecilia, but saying that um, he didn't think the man was wearing glasses. I mean, like, the thing that I thought was weird was it almost sounded like they're clip-on sunglasses on this Lake Berryessa costume, and did the guy put the clip-on sunglasses over his real glasses? Like, the clip-on sunglasses would have been on the exterior part of the hood, and is he wearing a pair of glasses underneath? That would be horribly impractical. I mean, when you think about the Zodiac Killer, I'm sure you can imagine the composite sketch after the Stein shooting, and it appears that whoever committed that crime was definitely wearing glasses, although there can be some, uh, some areas that you can dispute in that. But um, to talk about Lake Berryessa, no matter what, this guy puts on the hood, and he approaches Brian and Cecilia, I did an episode once talking about the 1971 Zodiac Killer movie, and I said that you often imagine the Zodiac Killer wearing all black. By you, I mean me. I don't really know what you imagine. I often imagine the Zodiac Killer wearing all black, being all sneaky and such. And in the 1971 film, The Zodiac Killer, which is available on YouTube for free, He's, like, committing the Lake Herman Road shooting, wearing a bright red jacket and blue jeans and brown shoes. And my simple response was, why not? I mean, why not? There are no witnesses at Lake Herman Road. Like, how do we know what the Zodiac Killer was wearing? And somebody even wrote that in the comment section. If there are no witnesses, he might as well have painted himself orange. But at Lake Berryessa, to compound upon that, when you see depictions of the Lake Berryessa costume, there is often somewhat of an inconsistency in the way that people describe the Zodiac's clothing. Of course, he's wearing a black hood. This is the only time that the Zodiac killer went out in this hood, in the Lake Berryessa costume. That's why they call it that. Not at Lake Herman Road, not at Blue Rock Springs, not at the Stein shooting. I mean, as the, there are no witnesses at Lake Herman Road, maybe, but Almost certainly not. I mean, wearing that costume at night? I don't think so. In the two previous events in Zodiac activity, the Lake Harmon Road shooting and the Blue Rock Springs shooting, the perpetrator is, to the best of our knowledge, not wearing a costume. He's not wearing the hood, not wearing clip-on sunglasses. At Blue Rock Springs, we know for a fact the person who shot Mike Majot and Darlene Farron was not wearing any type of facial disguise. Mike Majot said that he could see the Zodiac's face. He couldn't remember any particular features other than it was very big. Something about his facial features seemed very large. And to the credit of Robert Graysmith, he did note that in his book, Zodiac Unmasked, that the Zodiac was perhaps more moon-faced than the composite sketches were giving him credit for. But of course, I mean, you know exactly what that is. That's Robert Graysmith trying to vilify Arthur Lee Allen and creating all of these links. The point is, the Zodiac isn't wearing that costume. And when the Zodiac approaches Brian and Cecilia, he's wearing a black hood with black clip-on sunglasses. They can see the hair coming through. I mean, at some one place it says that through the clip-on sunglasses, they can see a piece of the... Uh, perpetrator's hair. It appears to be brown, and it also appears to be greasy, but it's also possible that um, they could see the hair through uh, various parts of the hood, or maybe there's some type of um, gaps in the fabric or something like that, because it says very clearly in one thing that they can see it through the hood. Okay, so brown hair that's very greasy, and he's approaching Brian and Cecilia wearing what appears to be a dark blue windbreaker, and they got very specific um, confirmation from Brian Hartnell when he's in the hospital and he's uh, being interviewed. He says that he is wearing a dark blue windbreaker with a uh, kind of a simple popped collar. I can visualize it very easily, but it's kind of hard to describe. I mean, if you've ever worn a windbreaker, I think you'll know what that is talking about. That is what is under the hood. And Brian even said he might have just pulled it out of a pocket or something. And no matter who the perpetrator was at Lake Berryessa, I think there are numerous reasons for that. I mean, I think Brian Hartnell's statement is very accurate. Bear in mind, it's possible that Brian Hartnell spent up to 15 minutes with the Zodiac Killer. And 
this could be one of the best observations that people have of not only the um, Zodiac's physical appearance, but the way he talked, his mannerisms. The only other Zodiac victim that spent this much time with this, with the uh, killer was Paul Stein, but Paul Stein did not live to provide any descriptions. Paul Stein, of course, gave the Zodiac killer a ride in a taxi on October 11th of 69, but at Lake Berryessa, he's wearing this light blue, or sorry, dark blue windbreaker underneath the Zodiac hood. That's what someone would do, right? No matter what, um, kind of clothing you're wearing, whether it's a uniform or you have just a little white tank top or something, you throw on the dark blue windbreaker underneath the Lake Berryessa hood so the witnesses wouldn't be able to remember anything. Or even if somebody saw you from a distance with a telescope, they would say, oh, well, he had this dark blue windbreaker on, and then you can exit remove the windbreaker, slide it into your pocket, and the witness descriptions would change. If anybody saw somebody walking around, oh, he was wearing a white tank top, or maybe he painted himself orange once again. Oh, yes, he was walking by in an orange something-something. The witness descriptions would change if anybody saw this guy walking away from the crime scene. Now, here are some points that strengthen the single perpetrator theory, and I'll talk a lot about this on Wednesday, but some people are, in fact, many people are even discussing this to this day. Was this a single perpetrator who committed the four canonical crimes, Lake Herman Road, Blue Rock Springs, Lake Berrius, and the Paul Stein murder? Or was this a group of people? Or was this something like the CIA? Was this like a CIA operation part of the media manipulations in the 1960s and continuing onward to the present day? Or is this the Zodiac hoax theory and that someone was writing letters taking credit for murders that he didn't commit? I mean, what really would be going on? To strengthen the single perpetrator theory from going through this Lake Berryessa material in Zodiac Killer, just the facts. You have somebody approaching Brian and Cecilia he is talking about escaping from some prison somewhere. At first it says Colorado in here, and then it later on changes to Montana. Both of those are coming from Brian Hartnell's memory, it seems, in these documents. But um, the documents are often edited in a way that I'll talk about later. But he is approaching Brian and Cecilia. He says that he wants their car. He says he wants their money. Brian gives him some change, and he throws the keys down. He has a wallet. None of that is taken. And also, the perpetrator walked from the picnic blanket to Brian Hartnell's car, the Carmen Ghia, and wrote the very famous message on the car door, made a Zodiac symbol, wrote the word Vallejo, the dates of Zodiac activity, 12-20-68, September, spelled S-E-P-T, September 27th, 69, 6.30 p.m. by knife. Now with this, I mean, talking about a single perpetrator, there was no evidence that the car was ever tampered with. There's no evidence that someone tried to break in. In fact, that's the um, conclusion of the people who examined the Carmen Ghia, that no one's trying to break in. So doesn't that suggest that this was about committing the murder and I will share some of this on Wednesday, but Michael Cole even made that observation that the Zodiac wrote by knife on the car door. I don't care what medical school, a forensic examiner, medical scientist, medical examiner, pathologist went to, any type of doctor like that, I'm pretty sure they would figure out that Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were stabbed with a knife. And yes, that's Michael Cole's observation and more or less a paraphrasing of what he said. But I do agree with that. I mean, any doctor who examined their bodies, any coroner, even if they're not a doctor who examined the bodies, would figure out they were stabbed with a knife. Yet the Zodiac chose to write that on the car door by knife. And then later on, on, um, what is it, October 27th, 1970, the Halloween card is mailed in with by rope, by knife, by gun, by fire. That is included, and that has been tied to the Tim Holt comic, which features something called the Wheel of Death. And there is a woman on the cover of that Tim Holt comic whose name is Lady Doom. 
and they spin the wheel of death, and which one is it going to end on? All of this seems to be tying together that there are references, there are clues, these things have meaning, and the fact that they're present during the canonical crime suggests that there was most likely one person. I mean, one person committed the Lake Berryessa stabbing. There's only one set of footprints going to and from the car. And, well, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but one person could have also committed the Blue Rock Spring shooting, and there's also only one person in the back of Paul Stein's taxi. Do you see where this is going? Only one person is present during these events. So, that doesn't that appear that somebody has not only wanted to commit a series of murders, but also this person wants to just clue people in enough so they can start to figure it out, but never get the full story. They will never solve the clues completely. I mean, the Zodiac didn't have to write by knife on the car door. It could be something that he could have kept private. He could have never told anyone. Sure, he uh, wanted to create the uh, Wheel of Death and the Tim Holtz uh, comic and bring it to life, and Lady Doom is actually a very, um, oh, what is the word, prevalent literary figure. She's called the Lady of Situations, and the uh, Channel Skating Crew Productions talked about how that concept of the Lady of Situations spinning the death wheel has been used in numerous pieces of literature over the centuries, even. I mean, these things don't come from nowhere. They kind of compound upon each other. But nobody has to say anything like that. You don't have to mail in a car saying, by rope, by knife, by gun, by fire, and you don't have to write it on the car door after the Lake Berryessa stabbing. It was meant to show significance. And in terms of significance, when Brian Hartnell is giving descriptions of the costume worn by the Zodiac Killer at Lake Berryessa, one of the early parts of the Lake Berryessa sections in Just the Facts says that the hood worn by the killer appears to be ceremonial. That's the adjective. And if this were a hoax, why would someone make a costume like the thing that where they're just different murders that are committed by people and someone's writing a letter taking credit for it? Why wear a costume at all? I mean, and not say that, hey, I'm the Zodiac killer. If you're trying to make people think that it's the Zodiac, I mean... That just doesn't seem to fit. Or even the group murder theory, like if there's like multiple killers, I mean, how would you actually establish that different people committed all of these crimes in a provable sense? Instead, it seems that there is one person that is uniting all of this and that there are um, clues that he is leaving behind. But that doesn't mean to say that I know 100% what happened. This is just um, my feeling after reading the chapter on uh, the chapters plural on Lake Berryessa and the police reports on Lake Berryessa in Just the Facts. When we look at a theory that many people have, that the Zodiac crimes were a CIA operation, tied to Operation Mockingbird, tied to MK Ultra, Operation Terrify America, about using the media coverage to manipulate the perceptions and thoughts of people at the time. I mean, firstly, those things are very real. The CIA does stuff like that. But what were the Zodiac crimes actually the result of some type of CIA operation? Maybe it was about creating this image of darkness and terror in San Francisco, the zenith and paramount location of the hippie movement, the holy grail of the hippie culture. Is that what was happening? I have a challenge to that, that um, the Lake Berryessa stabbing was committed by a CIA operative. But first, just to uh, provide context, there are four canonical Zodiac crimes, right? Lake Herman Road, Lake Blue Rock Springs, Lake Berryessa, and the Paul Stein murder. In the CIA theory, I mean, you could say even that Lake Herman Road and Blue Rock Springs were committed by either drug dealers or it's drug-related or gang-related activity and somebody learned about the material from the police reports and wrote a letter in the summer of 1969 stating facts that only he and the police would know. Well, in reality, it would be facts that only the police knew, and then somebody learned about it from the police reports, and then this becomes the foundation of the CIA theory. Then a CIA operative committed the Lake Berryessa stabbing, and a CIA operative murdered Paul Stein, then they can say that there's this Zodiac boogeyman out there, and then they can just put him in the newspapers, and 
It's about affecting the way human beings think. If you control how people think, you control everything. And I do not doubt that the CIA has done that from time to time. There also have been things in the past like the OSS. And there also have been sponsored publications that um, governments want to be behind. Governments want to support certain publications because for the reason that we already said, if you control how people think, you control everything. And you can also use it to manipulate the public en masse. Here's the challenge. When you read Brian Hartnell's account of the subject, the surviving victim from Lake Berryessa, he says that the killer seemed very nervous, his hands are even shaking, and Brian even asks him if he's nervous, and he says, I guess so. It seems like somebody who hasn't done this before, or even if he has committed a murder by knife, he did not do it for two years or something like that. Not someone who is some sort of cold, heartless CIA operative who's just doing his job all in a day's work. It seems like some guy who is an amateur, who doesn't know what he's doing, but he's trying to make Brian and Cecilia think that he knows what he's doing. And that nervousness and the handshaking, it's possible. I mean, I guess CIA operatives would be human too, but I highly doubt that. I am extraordinarily skeptical of any of that um, CIA theory after reading this um, section here on Lake Berryessa. And also, the descriptions of the costume. In multiple places, they say that the hood to the Lake Berryessa costume had four corners, like the way a shopping bag does. That description, like a shopping bag. Now, there's some effort that has gone into that. And somebody once uh, sent me a photo saying, hey, this is the costume that a welder wears, and it looks quite similar. It has like the um, kind of very broad top, like a welder's uh, gear that that person would wear, and then there are goggles that go over the eyes. And is it possible that the Zodiac Killer was a welder, and he was just wearing his uh, welder's gear? Yeah, you would have me going with that, mostly, except for the fact that there's a zodiac symbol that is on the chest of the perpetrator. It has, I guess, what is called a dickey, or a piece of fabric that is hanging down all the way to his waist, or even beyond thereabouts, and that is really showing that this is something that seems to be like an executioner's hood, but the adjective that is used in this book is ceremonial hood that is being worn. And as well as writing that message on the corridor, there is a certain type of significance that this killer is trying to share. He's, there's a certain meaning behind all of these actions, so it seems. that They don't seem to be arbitrary. It doesn't appear to be a random set of victims that are just being united by some type of, um, well, as we said, CIA operation. However, let's talk about some of the other people who could be suspects in the Lake Berryessa stabbing, because we've talked about the victims, particularly Brian Hartnell's accounts of what happened, that um, they saw this person behind the um, tree coming out. The reason why I mentioned the urination thing is because I was listening to an episode of the Stones Unturned podcast once, which is hosted by Thomas Henry Horan. He is the author of the book The Myth of the Zodiac Killer, and he supports the hoax theory. And he said something on the Stones Unturned podcast that the perpetrator at Lake Berryessa either um, vomited or urinated behind that tree, and they collected the soil samples to, um, well, for some type of evidence. But um, it actually, I got some clarification from Evan from Texas that the soil samples were collected because they wanted to try and match them to somebody's boots to see if they had been on the same type of ground. I mean, forensic collection for lack of a better term. But what it says here in the um, book is what I just relayed from Brian Hartnell, that Brian thought that the assailant was behind the tree taking a leak, and he's not even looking at the guy. He just asks Cecilio, hey, what's that noise over there? And she looks up, oh, there's a man who came out from behind the tree. He's like, what's it about? Was he taking a leak? Is more or less what Brian has said here. So I think that's the origin of that. It's just a guess that Brian Hartnell made. I didn't encounter anything in these sections that there is any type of um, vomiting or urination that had been left behind, but I can totally see where he was coming from, and it's not a bad thing to guess that, all right, this guy's very nervous. He either hasn't 
committed a crime like this before, or he hasn't done it in two years, so, um, yeah, okay, there is some type of nervousness, and let alone he's putting on a costume, getting ready for the performance of his life in his own mind, which is a sick and twisted and disgusting thing to do, nonetheless. I mean, you also get a sense of the victims in this chapter about how, um, Brian and Cecilia are normal people living their ordinary lives, and, um, you know, it's really heartbreaking to hear about Cecilia Shepard losing her life. But about the suspects, there is an ex-boyfriend of Cecilia that gets very jealous of Brian Hartnell. And this is all back in 1968, well before. But Cecilia's family did come forward and say that some guy, oh, um, his name was Gary and his last name has been redacted, Gary Blank, has um, reported, th or Cecilia reported that Gary had threatened her. And the family mostly dismissed Gary as a suspect because they said he seemed to be too small in stature. And also, um, the perpetrator at Lake Berryessa was estimated to be 5'10", 5'11", 6 feet tall, they thought that he was too small to be the suspect. Brian Hartnell was also very familiar with who this guy was, and that was the only thing I thought that this um, ex-boyfriend or this guy who was infatuated with Cecilia had, like, the only thing that I thought could have possibly indicated that he was, actually was a solid suspect was Brian Hartnell said there was something very familiar about the voice at Lake Berryessa. It's almost as if he knew where it was from, or he had heard it before, but he just couldn't quite place it. However, I do think that um, Brian um, would have maybe recognized it if he truly was that familiar with that guy. But a different suspect is someone who had been in between stays in a mental hospital, a psychiatric patient who was released on... June, oh, it's either the um, 28th or 29th, I think it's June 28th, 1969, and then he goes back into the hospital on September 29th of 1969, so that's, this event is occurring two days before this guy goes back to the hospital, he is six foot two and around 200 to 220 pounds, and they think that he is a suspect, but his family provides an alibi for him that his, um, Whereabouts are known throughout the time of the Lake Berryessa stabbing. They simply do not think that it was him. And this is why I keep coming back to this single perpetrator Zodiac angle. I have always said that the Lake Berryessa stabbing is the biggest strike against the hoax theory. There's no plausible explanation about why that person is wearing that costume in the hoax theory. I mean, all of the explanations I feel are very flimsy. And as I said, though, I mean, this whole thing about a CIA operative who's just really nervous that day. Yeah, I don't... Uh, by that one either. So, I mean, the Operation Terrify America angle isn't looking very strong either. Okay, so uh, we've talked about those alternative suspects, but I would like to add another piece of um, not exactly clarity, but something that I'm curious about. When I was reading the book The Second Power by Gareth Penn, he begins it with an apology for stating that he made a previous claim about the stabbing at Lake Berryessa, and that he said that Cecilia Shepard had been stabbed in the vagina with a knife, that she had been sexually assaulted with the blade of the knife at Lake Berryessa. And I've encountered this from time to time in some various other sources. I can't even remember which ones, but other people have said this too. There is a very clear statement in these police reports in Zodiac Just the Facts that Cecilia was not raped, and it doesn't that she was sexually assaulted at all. The killer was forceful with her, flips her over on her side, and she may have been stabbed close to her groin, but she was not sexually assaulted with the knife. What I think Gareth Penn misunderstood was the blood from her, the stab wounds pooled around Cecilia's groinal area, and it was a very clear observation that people made when they discovered her. They said she was on her elbows and her knees, she was in excruciating pain, and there was lots of blood in her groinal area, but she was not s stabbed in the genitals with a knife. So I think that um, is uh, where uh, people like Gareth Penn went wrong. They mistook the uh, pooling of blood for 
some type of bizarre sexual assault. There's also something that um, I had all never really um, gotten clarity on before, and that was how Brian Hartnell responded to the Lake Berryessa stabbing. After Brian Hartnell regains consciousness, he stabbed six times in the back, and he said it was very unexpected, and he didn't even expect the guy would actually go through with it because of the odd conversation that they're having, of the odd situation. He really said that it was just quite shocking that the perpetrator actually went through with it. He stabbed six times in the back. Cecilia Shepard is then stabbed five times in the back. The killer turns her over, stabs her five times in the front, but that does not count the superficial lacerations, which also include a three-inch cut to her hand, and there are at least um, one or two others. So, Brian loses consciousness, then he regains consciousness, and I always remembered this thing about Brian Hartnell was able to try and make it to the road and wave down, or draw the attention, not really wave down, but draw the attention of the park ranger Dennis Land, who's the first one to find Brian Hartnell. That didn't actually happen. Brian thought that he had made it to the road, but in reality, because of his injuries, he didn't make it very far from the picnic blanket, and he was actually found much closer to Cecilia Shepard, but in his mind, he thought he had made it to the road. This brings in three people. Dennis Land, the person that we just said he found, Brian Hartnell, William White, the second ranger to arrive, and Harold K. Snook, Hal Snook. He is the guy who made the casts of the footprints at Lake Berryessa, and there were many of them. Dennis Land goes on to become a suspect in the myth of the Zodiac Killer, the great Zodiac Killer hoax theory. For the longest time, Dennis Land was Thomas Warren's prime suspect for the Lake Berryessa stabbing. Not for all of the crimes, but just that one. And while he is somebody who is present at the crime scene, the reasons why Thomas Warren thinks that Dennis Land was the perpetrator is, firstly, he thinks that all the crimes were committed by different people, and that Dennis Land was out of radio contact at the time of the stabbing, he had access to a private, um, pr private isn't the right word, authorized entry road, like, um, official vehicle use road that the rangers would have had, and, um, that, uh, he may have gone on to, uh, commit other crimes, murders in Germany, the Santa Rosa hitchhiker slayings, and the murder of Linda Keynes. But the thing that I noticed from these police reports is, Dennis Land is the one who actually proposes that they look for um, some type of entryway, like, or was somebody using that private road saying, hey, by the way, somebody could have come from that authorized access road, which is down by the beach and so on, and Hal Snook even makes a cast of a footprint that is in the sand at the beach, so there's that, and then... um. They're, they make uh, numerous um, casts of the footprints that have been documented, and then they find them all the way back to the car. The um, message on the car door has been found written in black ink, which is quite um, different than the Zodiac letters, which have always been written in blue ink. But um, I do have to reemphasize that. The car has not been tampered with. The Zodiac didn't take the car keys. He didn't take the money that had been thrown down. And he's talking about... Um, Deer Lodge Prison, during this conversation he's having with Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard. Numerous times in the transcript, at least three times, there are the words, Deer Lodge, Deer Lodge, Montana. Brian Hartnell would say a few different things about that. As I said, in one time in these reports, he says Colorado, that the he said he escaped from some prison in Colorado, and in another time he says, it was something like Fern of Feathers or Fernlock or some double name. I always thought that by double name he meant like Fern Fern or Dear Dear Prison, like it was the same word twice, but by double name, I think he simply meant that it was a two-word name, like there's two words before such and such prison, even Deer Lodge State Prison, that that's what he meant by a double name. And in all seriousness, this is going to sound absolutely crazy, but I actually think that the Deer Lodge connection could be somewhat stronger after reading these police reports here, that the Zodiac actually did say Deer Lodge prison, because when Brian Hartnell is saying, he said the uh, Fern Feathers, Fern Lock, and 
they corrected him by saying it's lodge and i'm like well that's kind of weird why are the um why are the interviewers correcting brian hartnell when he is the witness well what they were doing is they were referring to a previous interview statement that brian hartnell had done at um done after the lake Berryessa stabbing and he's even talking about how he's been interviewed numerous times he's been repeating the details many times and there's like they're like sometimes it's repetitive but that's the way we do things and in i guess firstly he says it's something about lodge and then that's how they make the connection that um that it was indeed uh deer lodge but I don't, the word deer has never surfaced in the ones that I've seen. If you read the Lake Berryessa transcripts, it says very clearly that he escaped from Deer Lodge Prison. Brian even asked confirmation of that, and the Zodiac says Deer Lodge. But um, what I've uh, since learned is that those transcripts are heavily altered. They have almost like a final draft, like a finished product. And the Zodiac um, may not have actually said those words, or that people just write the transcript down as what they assume to be true. And it could be all of all of those things, like Colorado versus Montana. Now, I meant to say this in some previous AMAs, but um, someone did point out that there's a Lovelock prison in Nevada. And you'll hear Deer Lodge, Montana, Lovelock, Nevada. Lovelock, Nevada is so much closer to Lake Berryessa than anything in Montana. And I actually got online and I googled it, and Lovelock Prison, it was built in 1995. So sadly, that um, is not the answer, but I thought that would have been absolutely uh, spot on. Lovelock Prison is actually where O.J. Simpson spent his prison time, not for murder, of course, for... Um, kidnapping and stealing memorabilia back or so on um yeah whatever i don't care too much about the juice right now so um to get back on to the material that has been discussed at lake berryessa i would actually like to go to page 268 in the book zodiac killer just the facts to hear a statement that has been made by brian hartnell about the zodiac killer now he's talking about the cross and circle that are on the Zodiac's costume. The ends of the cross hung about this far, you know, where it came out. The circle was much like this, and then it hung out on the end, over the edge of the circle. Talking about the cross is going out over the circle. And he had clip-on sunglasses. It was hard to tell. You know the sunglasses that you clip on? When you're wearing glasses, eyeglasses, he had those clipped on, I'm pretty sure. I don't think he had glasses, though. I think he just clipped these things onto his suit. You know, that little mask? And I don't know how tall he was, maybe 5'8", maybe 5'10", 6 feet, somewhere in there. I'm a very poor judge of height because of my own height. I have no meaning. You know, it's like always down. You know, it can never be up. And so I saw him put away his gun. I was turning to say something to Cecilia, and all of a sudden I felt my back. No, just, I saw him pull it out. I don't remember. I saw him whip out something and the knife and just start stabbing me in the back. Chomp, 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 chomp. I was just, you know, that kind of sound. And Cecilia turned to see why I was... You know, and she just about fainted. She went hysterical. And when he finally stopped, I mean, he went over and, oh, the doctor says there's six wounds in my back. You ought to confirm that. One I've got went through my lung. I've got it draining. I did drain a couple pints of blood. I lost an awful lot of blood, I guess. We were down. I mean, it was absolutely no question. When a person gets stabbed as many times as we did, we were going to die. I mean, there'd be no reason to question it, but somehow I, you know, I just knew there was too much that I had to live for. I really, it does happen about getting depressed or anything when you're young and you're always thinking about these things. You, you know you think about it when you've got someone forcing your hand and... There were just a lot of things I had to do, and what really kept me going was thinking about my parents. You know, my parents are pretty Christian, 
and I haven't been too Christian myself, but if you believe the principle that you ask God to help you, another thing, what was my only strength was knowing these things. One, that I did not want to die, and two, that I felt that whatever I was going to be was going to be, but I was going to try my damnedest to stay alive, and so I say, before I left her, I kissed her, I said, well, I says I'm always going to try to get help. There was a boat that was circling around out there in the lake, and we started yelling at it, and finally it came within a hundred yards of the shore and turned off its motor and stayed there watching us for fifteen minutes, and we were just screaming hysterically trying to get their attention, you know, you know, to come over here? Oh, I don't know. I guess they were afraid that that guy might be there in the bushes and they might be liable or get choked or something. So they finally came a little bit closer. I didn't have my glasses on. I was just swaying, you know, and I had gotten one of their hands free before they came, and so I kept trying to get her to untie me, and she couldn't. She was too weak, she said. So I finally just kept hollering and hollering, and she said, Turn around, and let's see if I can do it again. She finally got it. My hands were free. Just pure numbness. They're still numb but I'm sure that that will go away. But I finally got untie her so she could kind of relax because it was a terrible position, you know, upon our stomachs. And so I started to go for help. I finally got myself reconciled and I wasn't too worried about dying. If that was going to happen, it was going to happen, but I knew I had to keep pushing on. I had to push myself. I had to force myself to stay alive. Because I just couldn't see myself. You know, all those waves coming over me. I was... Well, you're not going to give up that easy, you know. And like I say, I just kept believing that God would do everything. God would do everything the best. If she was going to get through this, if the thing was going to happen. But I couldn't see any reason why my dying would be the best good. So I just played along with that. And this goes on for a while, but some other details that Brian recalls from the Lake Berryessa stabbing include that the killer had a lot more furiosity, and ferocity rather, about stabbing Cecilia. He was much more vicious with Cecilia, and it's almost as if something maniacal came over him. That word maniacal isn't used in the transcripts or in the interviews, but that's more or less what he has described. There are two possible explanations for this. The first is that the Zodiac had more intense animosity toward women than he did men. The other one is that Brian Hartnell was stabbed first and he played dead, while Cecilia was thrashing about and flailing about, and the Zodiac may have had some built-up adrenaline, like the adrenaline had kicked into his system and he just became more intense when he was attacking Cecilia. Which one is it? Maybe a combination of the both, or maybe it's neither, and there is some other reason. Some people speculate about why would somebody wear this costume during the daytime at 6.30 p.m. September at Lake Berryessa. And one reason is, Brian Hartnell did say the voice sounded familiar, so is it possible that the victim, either victim, either victim could have recognized the killer? That could be one thing. Another explanation for the Lake Berryessa costume is that the Zodiac is very much fascinated with darkness and the devil, and the zoning in on Mount Diablo is a big one. And Michael Cole did discuss this in The Zodiac Revisited Volume 3 when he said that the Zodiac wanted to put himself on top of Mount Diablo, using Mount Diablo for various things, particularly for putting angles on top of it that might have some meaning or significance. And then he's trying to put himself as the epitome of evil, the epitome of what? Darkness. So that could be a meaning of the Lake Berryessa costume. And also, uh, something that was discussed on the Zodiac Speaking podcast was that the Zodiac Killer may have simply wanted to use darkness as his cover. For Lake Herman Road, Blue Rock Springs, and the Paul Stein murder, the Zodiac is not wearing the hood, to the best of our knowledge, at Lake Herman Road, but the Zodiac is not wearing the hood because he's using darkness as the cover, and um, the darkness of the night. So when he's at Lake Berryessa during the daytime, he's wearing a black costume to 
recreate the darkness or to simulate the darkness during the daytime. And darkness is his cover once again. He is the epitome of darkness, epitome of evil, even more, um, uh, even above the devil. He's even on top of Devil's Mountain with all of his depictions and the compass rose set it to magnetic north and such. Now, something else could be the opera, the Mikado, that the Zodiac was trying to recreate the Lord High Executioner's costume from the Mikado, which is all about how the um, people in this Japanese town, it's an operetta by Gilbert and Sullivan, the people from, these Jap from this Japanese town will be punished and sentenced to death for flirting. And the executioner will execute people for flirting. And it's almost as if if there is, hasn't been an execution, then this uh, city will be uh, demoted to the status of a town. So you're doing a good thing by executing people for flirting. Okay, big nutshell version. But uh, that work of um, from Gilbert, Gilbert and Sullivan may have been very influential on the Zodiac Killer and his actions, a way to justify animosity toward heterosexual couples, because if you look at only the canonical crimes, Lake Herman Road, Blue Rock Springs, and Lake Berryessa, all of those have a man and a woman present, heterosexual male, heterosexual female, someone who is perhaps a rejected lover who is also about um, trying to get revenge on society, as well as revenge on anyone who has denied him a the opportunity to have sexual partners, to be very blunt and very direct, and that he has animosity toward the women for not being with him, and he has animosity toward the men because they have these opportunities to be with women, and he does not. And some people simply think that the Zodiac was gay and he targeted heterosexual couples because he was envious of their ability to have out-in-the-open relationships and that he wouldn't he wasn't able to do that because he's battling his sexuality as well as battling his um well he's um trying to deny his homosexual feelings but he isn't able to have an outward physical relationship with somebody because in the 1960s perhaps he has to conceal that from someone so there are all sorts of sexually frustrated elements that are going on with this person, and that's why he's targeting couples at these odd times, which appear odd, but may actually have some very intense significance, and the dates could actually be very significant and have lots of meaning. And please tune into the Wednesday show, and you can hear all about that, and especially to you guys listening at a future date, I invite you to listen to the uh, special AMA discussing Michael Cole's book, The Zodiac Revisited. But to conclude here on the Lake Berryessa stabbing, the sections in the book Zodiac Killer, Just the Facts, and Lake Berryessa with Brian Hartnell talking about his girlfriend in Portland. And he asks, Has, have the newspapers reported on this? And their response is that the Lake Berryessa occurred on a Saturday, and the Post isn't going to be um, running on Sunday or that whatever newspaper Brian was asking about wasn't going to uh, put out a Sunday edition, or so um, they wouldn't have it in the papers, but other media outlets are talking about it. Brian wants to know if his name has been mentioned, and then he says he needs to call his girlfriend in Portland, Oregon, or somewhere in Oregon, I don't even want to uh, get ahead of myself. He needs to talk to his girlfriend in Oregon to talk to her about everything to set the record straight because Brian and Cecilia were together however she was uh not his real girlfriend he was just spending the afternoon with her for lack of a better term and I didn't encounter this exact line in the police reports but I've heard this in other sources that they actually had condoms in the um glove compartment of Brian Hartnell's Carmen Gia and they may have gone to that picnic blanket because they had uh just made love in the car and that Lake uh, Berryessa might actually be the only genuine lover's lane where um, you actually have um, some type of sexual activity going on, because Darlene Fern and Mike Mageau are just sitting in the car at Blue Rock Springs. Mike Mageau is wearing five shirts and three pairs of pants. Good luck, bud. And then um, David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen 
were not caught in the act of anything. In fact, David Faraday was holding his class ring in his fingertips, and he may have just been having a conversation with uh, Betty Lou Jensen. It doesn't appear that uh, physical intimacy was taking place at the time of the shooting or when the Zodiac interrupted whatever it is they were doing. So at Lake Beria, sorry, at, La at Lake Herman Road in Blue Rock Springs, it doesn't appear that... Um, any type of sexual activity is going on. At Lake Berryessa, it could have happened earlier in the day, and then they went to the picnic blanket to just uh, sit for a while, and they thought no one else was around. And then the Zodiac uh, came out from behind that tree, and, well, we've been discussing that here, about what happens. He has a gun drawn, which uh, Brian Hartle ex was uh, given different um, images of guns, and he identified it as a forty-five, although... That's just um, something that he thought about compared to other firearms that they showed him. He said he thought it was a forty-five, and that he had perhaps a 10 to 12 inch knife, and he had pre-cut lengths of rope that were ready to have the victims tied up, holds them up at gunpoint, and as I said, he's wearing that dark blue windbreaker. I think that's such um such a crafty way of disguising his appearance because that would be such an easy thing to slip off and you could crumple it up and just shove it in a pocket and the witness descriptions are totally going to change i mean if someone has on you know a different colored shirt underneath and they're going to be exiting the park no matter where they are well the witness description has totally changed i mean they saw some guy in a different colored shirt and a different colored set of clothing well, that's uh, just something that I noted there. But what do you think about the Lake Berryessa stabbing? And please share anything you want in the comment section below. I'd love to uh, read any of your messages. And you can also write the show at blackboxonlineradio at aol.com. My personal Facebook is also in the description box here. And you can also contact me on Instagram at blackboxnid88. And follow the show on blackboxonlineradio on Launchpad 1. The link to that is in the description box as well. Download it for free if you uh, want and visit the Teespring page, Black Box Online Radio, Black Box Ned 88. All of that is in the description box there. Please share some comments below. What do you think about Lake Berryessa? Share anything you want. And I will see you on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Until next time.